Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Well, good morning. Hey, it's great to have you here today, and uh, thank you for just uh, you and being here uh, in person. We're we're glad, and if you're online too, welcome. And we are in a series called Grace for Living out of the book of Titus, and uh, we're continuing our, our study. We're going we're gonna to finish up chapter one today. Come on. Yeah, all right. It's going to be great. And, um, <clears throat> you know, last week we looked at the role of elder and the character qualifications, and uh, and, and people said, yeah, so, you know, I've had that underlined in my Bible and it's been highlighted and I've thought about it and prayed through it. But I wonder in verses, the verses we're going to get, or if we have anyone who has a highlight in your Bible, that would be amazing. Because we come to this passage and it's a little hard. And, but uh, we're, we're trusting that the Lord will speak through it as we look at this whole idea of what he says in verses 10 through 16, really as we go straight through the word, um, and verses 10 through 16 are talking about false teachers that have cropped up in the local church there at Crete, where Titus uh, was being mentored by the apostle Paul to pastor that church well. And so he's trying to teach him, what do you do when there's false teachers that are raised up? Well, what do you do in your life when you might be believing lies, even subtle lies? You know, a few years ago, um, <clears throat> I received a note, a pretty good letter from an elder, and I opened it up, and he reaffirmed his uh, just love for me. He just encouraged me really well, and I appreciate that. And then he, But then uh, he got to the place where he said, John, I think you've been a little light on sin in your preaching. I go, hmm. That, now, now, as Pastor Tim Barton says, that stung a little bit. Uh, you know, and I, if at first I thought, well, he's got to be wrong because I'm probably perfectly aligned on the word, you know? <laughs> and then I thought about it and I prayed. I said, Lord, uh, what do you think about this? And and as I thought about it, I actually thought he was right. And I repented. You see, um, he, he did this right. I mean, he, he, didn't, he didn't like send out a newsletter about John's sin. But he came to me personally and privately and, and just in love gave me a good correction. Now, I, I don't think I was a false teacher. You could call it that, but but I was headed in a, in a bad direction. And when you believe lies or you, you know, even it was, it was for good reasons because, you know, I love to teach about the three loves. Love. I don't, you know, teaching about God's love is a wonderful thing. I love teaching about it. But sometimes it's harder to teach when it gets to that harder part like sin. So question right up front before we get into the false teachers, you know, what lie have you been believing in, in your heart? We, we all tend to go one of two directions in big errors, and we'll see that today. 
But today we come to this passage, and it's again, it's about false teachers. And if you can see that elders are being put in place, Titus 1.9, we saw last week, for example, that they're to give uh, positive godly instruction in the word, but also to rebuke those who contradict the word. And then um, we saw that uh, other, so our elders, that we are in an elder nomination time, and I hope you do that, and be praying about the elders you might nominate. And, but uh, there were people here uh, who were raised up in the church that were false teachers, and Paul says the elders need to deal with them. And we'll see together today why that's important is because God has given us elders as healthy, godly instructors to help care and give oversight for this church. And really, we should actually self, you know, kind of self-instruct, if you will, but also instruct one another. But every elder, for example, spiritually cares for God's people. And here at the Vine, each elder has about 10 to 20 members who are assigned to them as a people there to care for in, in a godly way. And there's four words we talk about with our elders. They're to know their people enough, know enough, feed enough, lead enough, and protect enough. Just briefly, know enough. An elder should know their members and their family by name. And by the way, if you're a member here today, and you don't know who your elder is, please write this down right now. Contact Tim Barton right away. I mean, <laughs> T. Barton at thevinecc.com. He'd love to share with you who your elder is. And then, so they should know you enough. And then, are you being fed well enough? Are you being fed spiritually from the word? Are you growing in your, your relationship with God? They're not responsible to do the work of feeding you, but to make sure you are being fed. And then led well enough, spiritually, that is. And then today, we're going to be looking at protected well enough. And they should be providing spiritual protection for God's people. So we realize that, as we saw last week, elders are far from perfect, right? And I am one of those. And we fail at times. And by the way, if you're not feeling cared well enough for your elder, I'm going to invite you to do a very bold thing. Would you contact them? It best would be, uh, you know, face-to-face. Write them a note or though. And let them know, hey, encourage them. Don't blast them, but say, hey, I appreciate you. You're my elder. And share with them whatever you may be struggling with. I think they would receive that really well. I I know I'd like to get that. I mean, they don't love those kind of notes, but they want to grow in their their oversight and care, and they're not perfect. By the way, in families, you know, there are moms and dads, and moms and dads, are you perfect (laughs) in your leadership of your family? And you think about the elders in the church, are we perfect? No. But we need to continue to grow as a family. So today we're going to see from God's, God's wonderful word, this, this kind of focused, uh, focused thought is this, that the people of God need spiritual protection. And let's look at God's word, verse 10 of, of Titus chapter 1. This is God's word. 
For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Yay, aren't you glad you came today? (laughs) It's a hard passage. But this is why we go through God's word, because this is so necessary. Because false teaching will arise in any church. We just have to deal with it because, by the way, every one of us will be tempted to believe lies in our life. That's, that's a, basically false teaching, if you will. And here we have to, we're going to realize that in the church of Crete, there was not a healthy protection. There was what I want to call a faulty protection. The church of Crete had these teachers. They were teaching in essence, to summarize that what you needed for salvation was not just Jesus. He wasn't enough. They taught that it was Jesus plus good works. And the good works they had kind of added to the teaching there in Crete was that you had to be circumcised. If you were in a family, you were circumcised as a male and every male child at the eighth day as a sign of your Christian faith. Well, they went too far with it. And they also said, you've got to avoid these dietary issues, these these kinds of foods Leviticus 11 talked about as well. And so they went too far. They became overprotective. They uh, became, if you will, too exclusive of almost a club that said, if you don't fit into this, Jesus plus these rules, then you don't fit in the church. You're not a Christian. And that, of course, is false. It's a lie. Um, and, and, you know, I remember uh, <clears throat> years ago, I grew up in a, uh, Southern California. Uh, forgive me for that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, in, in a church school, uh, it was... Um, I went kindergarten through 12th grade. And in this school, I mean, they they taught the essentials, Jesus, I mean, his grace. I mean, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. You've got to receive him by faith. You've got to repent of your sins, turn to Jesus. I mean, it all was really good. But they also added a lot of rules, and, and the way this church school kind of worked was it seemed like they had so elevated doing good things that they were trying to avoid these bad works. And bad was according to their definition of the leader's definition, not the scripture. And that's a problem, right? 
when you elevate rules that are not from God's word. So what we heard as students was a lot of this, don't do this, don't do that, keep the rules, don't break them, because if you do, Jesus may not love you the same. And that's a dangerous message. And so, um, you know, yeah, that's school, and some of us struggle with legalism. And we can make Christianity too narrow, if you will. We can become overprotective. But scripture itself teaches us that no sinner is outside the bounds of God's wonderful grace. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus told the religious leaders and us, for the son of man, he said about himself, came to seek and save the lost. You see, Jesus hung out with the most morally corrupt prostitutes, sinners. I mean, the the really biggest scam artists of the day, and he shared his good news with them of what he came to do. Some of them believed it and they were saved, not because they did one thing or not because they did too many bad things. They were saved because why church? Jesus is enough. His grace is enough. And are we satisfied that he has done the work? He told the biggest of sinners, if you will, there's no one There's no one beyond the reach of my grace. So just before Jesus ascended to heaven in Matthew 28 and in other passages, he shared this, go to his followers, including us. We are to go and make disciples of all peoples. It's not because they've been good. It's not because they've been bad. It's not because of their race, the way they look their nationality, their creed, ethnicity, or morality. I have come to seek and save people who realize and and repent of saying, I struggle with sin. I need a savior. Jesus, you're enough. You see, the gospel really is shockingly inclusive the call of the gospel. Everybody is included and we should proclaim it to everyone. Now here's a few indicator lights if you may be dealing with a lie of legalism or being too exclusive. Do you think this way? Hey, my children have to be perfect. If you think that, you might be dealing with this issue in your beliefs. Or you think, I've got to be a better person. I need to do more spiritual stuff. Or maybe you thought, this is the way, spiritual obedience is the way I make God happy with me. And that's a lie. That's false teaching. And that's false believing and false practices. And you need to tell yourself that it is false. Now, now, please hear me. Obedience to God's word is imperative. We're not saying that, but an overprotective brand of Christianity is not humble reliance on God's grace. And we really get sideways when we get into spiritual performance. And especially as we think about how God views us. So we can become really too exclusive even with our own thinking and our own practices, and we need to be aware of that. But we also can become too inclusive. 
And this is really, this, I think this is where we, we, we should really have a big caution flag about this in our lives because the whole culture around us, when we go out here in the next six days, we're going to be bombarded with a message of what I would call over-inclusivity or over-protectiveness, meaning, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, under-protectiveness, which means, in essence, that they, we are taught this message, in essence, love everybody. Love everybody. And, and, and that, at face value, that's actually right. We are, I mean, we are to love everybody. But friends, when we, we have to be clear about this, Jesus himself said, the way that you are saved, the way that you come to know God's love, his saving love is, Jesus said, there is no other name in heaven and earth whereby which you may be saved. I alone am the way, the truth, and the life. And this is the great offense really, of the cross and the work of Christ. And this is where we get this divide where people, people who are not, they're not like looking like evil people at first, but they can fall into these lies of being overly inclusive and underprotective, if you will. And it gets really squishy and hard to spot at times. You know, um, <clears throat> We've had, I've had uh, friends leave this church who I love. I still love them. We sincerely disagreed about the gospel. And I don't even know how they completely got there. But this is some of what they, they believed. They would say that God is only a God of love, not a God of wrath so that Jesus didn't die to satisfy God's wrath to cover or pay for our sins. They would also say our sins don't separate us from God, but sin creates a kind of self-imposed shame. And they focused on the love of Father God and they called him Abba. They would constantly say Abba's love is so great and it is. But they would deny that Jesus had to come and die on a cross to pay for the penalty of our sinfulness at the cross. And that is false. And I love those guys, but look, at I, it's impacted our friendship because I sincerely disagree with them in the essentials of what we believe. You know, this is not just happening here. It's happening, you're bombarded with these messages and, and today the world calls it progressive Christianity. It's just a repackaging of error that started all the way back in the Garden of Eden. And then it was rehashed, if you will, in the early church. And now it's still being repackaged and sold as a bill of lies today. You see, a, a God you create yourself is no God at all. It is no God at all. Remember, the whole word of God teaches about our, who God is and his great salvation. And any deviation from God's word on the essentials is a false gospel. And we have to say that clearly and be aware of that. 
You know, remember, it's, it's like a false teacher at Crete and in our church today won't introduce yourselves. Hey, I'm that friendly, progressive Christian. I'm here to teach you another gospel. They don't operate that way. They do it in really subtle ways, and sometimes it's scary. Because honestly, there were many years I had you know, some of my friends, I didn't even realize what they fully believed. It's squishy, and we need to be discerning and aware that this, this message is pretty pervasive. We need to be aware. You know, I, I'd encourage you to, to read up on this, to watch maybe uh, the series in Ameri- the American Gospel, it's called. I'd encourage you to write it down, watch it. And the American Gospel, specifically uh, the episode entitled Christ Crucified, which exposes the false teaching of progressive Christianity. That's American Gospel, Christ Crucified. You can... We watch it on Amazon Prime. You can Google it. It's on other channels or means as well. You can find it. If you have a problem finding it, let us know. We'll get you there. But you see, the people of God need spiritual protection. And that's why elders are raised up and leaders are raised up to understand the word of God and and are, are focusing on teaching and imparting sound, healthy teaching. So we don't need faulty protection, which basically is over-inclusive or over-exclusive. We need Christ-centered teaching, biblical teaching. We need what the Bible would call here in this past spiritual protection. You know, we're constantly tempted to believe lies even here at the Vine, we've got to be careful and aware. You need to be evaluating my sermon here. Is it aligned with God's word or not? And, and, uh, but I want to give you just a few principles quickly because this passage has a lot of, lot of things in here. But here, here's some principles of, of discerning what spiritual protection looks like. And here they are. First of all, pastors and elders are to lead. Again, we've seen in verse nine that, that the qualifications of an elder is that they're able to teach God's word and correct wrong teaching. This is so important of a part of pastoral ministry and elder ministry in the church at Crete and at the Vine. And remember, I mean, we've talked about Paul is teaching Titus, how do you ultimately lead to grace for living? Chapter one is all about, as we've seen, grace that protects. Next week, we're going to look at grace that passes the gospel on. Pastors and elders are to lead in this. But secondly, false teachers should be exposed and silenced. Verses 11 and 12. Um, verse 11, uh, it says deliberately, the false teacher must be silenced. He means it. They need to be stopped. They need to not teach in the church or the people of God. And honestly, they need a loving but very firm correction from elders and their leadership. These teachers here in Crete were really liars who were mixing the truth with error and they were making financial profit from it. We see it, he says, shameful gain. 
they had a what's in it for me mentality because man, it was greasing their pocketbooks. The third principle is rebuking is for the purpose of restoration, verse 13 and 14. See, a sharp, clear rebuke is necessary though it's hard for some of us to do. Do we have any people pleasers in the audience? Thank you for being so honest. Join me. Again, the rest of you have other sins. (laughs) But for you people pleasers, you are gonna have a hard time rebuking and correcting. It's hard, I I don't prefer it. Like my five-year-old uh, Remy, our grandson, says when he's eating some food that he doesn't really like, he says, Papa, it's not my favorite. <laughs> it's not my favorite to correct, but I'm called to do it, and I will. Because it's to bring people to healthy, sound, healthy, healthiness. And notice this. This is kind of remarkable. The reason why you rebuke or correct in love is to restore that false teacher. Do you see that? Verse 14, or 13 says, therefore rebuke them sharply that they, here's the reason, that they may be sound or healthy in the faith. That's the same word for health or soundness that the elder has. The false teacher becomes healthy as they repent of their false teaching and embrace a biblical truth. This is, this, is, this is how it should operate. And fourthly, the fourth principle is that bad beliefs lead to bad living. And we see that in verses 15 through 16. Uh, for the person who trusts in Christ alone and then keeps relying on Christ alone, saying Jesus is enough, he says this, this is a principle, to the pure, all things are pure. This is similar to what uh, Paul says back in Timothy. In Timothy's gospel, chapter four, verse four, he says this, for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. You see, here we see Paul saying, this, that um, for the person who's relying on Christ, everything is good if it's received by faith. But for the person who is not relying on God and they're relying on their own, their own works, do you see this, what he says? Verse 16, he says, they are unfit for any good work. This is pretty strong. This is pretty frightening in some because unbelief in the gospel impacts everything. A person cannot do the work that pleases God and believe in their heart that their own work is necessary for salvation. You see, relying on our own works, though, we have to always be correcting by the word of God. It's nothing new under the sun. We're all going to struggle with that at certain times. It goes all the way back to our first parents, Adam and Eve. If you just outlined Genesis 3, 1 through 6, you know, you'd see this pattern of unbelief where they couldn't believe God and his word. They took matters into their own hands. They relied on their own work. 
You see, we're all tempted to believe lies and false teaching. We have to be aware of that. And look at false teaching is sneaky stuff. It's pretty squishy. We need help. We need people that are teaching the sound, healthy word of God. That's why you're here today, part of the reason. It's why we need to be discipled in God's word and keep growing in discernment and spiritual discernment in our own life because this is the point that he makes here. The people of God, we need spiritual protection. And the wonderful thing is that in this context of spiritual protection, we find grace. Grace for living. We have people in our lives that really love us. And in the church, the church is the only community of context that will both focus on loving discipline. Listen to this. Loving discipline and forgiveness. But that's not easy. And we're called to grow together as we rely on God's grace to both believe his word and what it teaches and then to live it out as followers of Christ. You see, today, if you're, you're not a follower of Christ, there's, yeah, is the church messy? Yes. Do we sin and fail all the time? Yes. Are we perfect in our care for one another? Answer, church. No. But do we believe sincerely? Jesus is enough. I hope so. Yes, yes. Together, we proclaim Jesus is enough. We're not standing in our own works. You don't have to strive or be good enough to receive God's love, his saving love. But you do have to turn from your own work and your own self-saving ways. So let's together, as we come to the Lord's Supper, we both rejoice in the community that he's given to us of faith and elders that he's given to us to give us sound, healthy teaching. But as we come to the Lord's table, let's ask the Holy Spirit, according to the teaching of God's word, to make us sensitive to the lies that we may be believing. Let's come to the Lord now in just a time of confession of our sin by the way, just simply said as we close, like me, maybe you've been too light on sin. Or maybe you've been on the other end of being too condemning because of sin or the sin of others. Kind of goes one or two ways. That's simply said. But as you come to the Lord's Supper, Repent of the lies that you are believing or tend to believe. Let's come to Jesus.
Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.